Hello and welcome to the Heat Unmissables podcast. This is the third episode of what's going to be what is, in fact, a weekly podcast looking at TV, entertainment, pop culture, in much the same way as the Unmissable section in Actual Heat magazine deals with all that stuff. I am Boyd Hilton. I am the entertainment director of said Heat magazine, and I have been for 347 years. <laughs> I'm joined by Steph Seelan, assistant editor of Heat magazine. Welcome, Steph. Welcome to you, Boyd. Steph is known for her ability to watch anything and everything in advance on her TV somehow. Mysteriously, you, enigmatically. Mysterious and you are all invited. Yeah. You're like a one-woman iTunes. I'm iSteph. You are iSteph. <laughs> and we're joined by Kay Ribeiro, who's entertainment editor of Heat Magazine. Kay is known for her obsession with America's Next... Britain's Next Top Model. Not America's Next Top Model. That's a different show. She's, Kay she's is probably no- going to go international, yeah, though. Well, she should. It does exist, doesn't it, America's Next Top Model? Yeah, but, it's the original. But your obsession is with Britain's Next Top Model, which you monitor on a daily basis. <laughs> and in fact, such is your obsession, you've insisted that we, we do it this week as one of our review items in what is known as the Virgin Slot. Yeah. Um, it's the slot where we, two of us, have never seen this programme. You're a fan. Steph and I have watched it for the very first time, I do believe. And we'll be, that's the, one of the things. For the very first time today. All to come. All to come. That's one of the things to come. So we'll be doing that. We're also going to be reviewing American Gods. This is a huge new show that's coming to Amazon Prime on the 1st of May, Bank Holiday Monday. It's huge. We've also got an interview with Ricky Whittle, <laughs> the star, by Kay Ribeiro, her very own self. Yep. Him of Hollyoaks fame. Exactly. And we all went on a trip to the theatre to see <laughs> The Philanthropist this week. Boyd very kindly took us out. It was date it was, night. It was glorious. He got the tickets, we got the snacks. It was incredible. Well, it's for proper review purposes. So this is a, a new show at, on in the West End of London with loads of TV stars in it. Simon Bird, Tom Rosenthal, Matt Berry, etc. So we're going to review that. And, oh my God. Probably the biggest movie of the year so far, Guardians of the Galaxy, Volume 2. But, unfortunately, Steph couldn't make it to the screening because she just couldn't be asked. No, so, she's, she's in Dubai. All oh, right, she'll be in she'll Dubai. She'll be in Dubai. I'm on the Hollywood. Physically in Dubai. Obviously, she's here now in the studio with us. But when we went to see Guardians of the Galaxy, she was in Dubai. So instead, John Dan, our esteemed producer, engineer, editor, friend, guider, guru friend will be joining us for that very special review at the end of this podcast and we're going to be asking what is the best tv finale of all time don't answer it now no don't answer it now. whoa hold your horses that's in question time but before we get into all of that in the opening stuff we're currently watching section of the podcast basically there's been a huge load of finales tv finales it's tv finale season so I mean, some of these, like Girls, Broadchurch and Homeland, are over a week old, but I thought we could touch on them to see how we feel generally mm-hmm. about them. Then the big one is, I've seen the last episode of Line of Duty. I'm so jealous yeah, about that. which goes out this Sunday. So I'm going to be touching on that. No spoilers for that at all because it hasn't gone out yet. And Big Little Lies went out last night, if you're listening to this on Tuesday when the podcast comes out, and we are going to do a spoiler-heavy review of that. So if you don't want that spoil the HBO uh, Sky Atlantic uh, Now TV series, just we'll, we'll warn you and you can kind of turn it down in a few few minutes. But let's, should we start with, like, Girls, Ball Church? Last weekend, Bank Holiday, was all these finales. Steph, did you, were you exhausted? Were you pleased? Were you happy by the end of that whole process? OK, I'm a huge Homeland fan and there was a huge death in Homeland. Quinn finally died in Homeland, protecting... Claire Danes and the president-elect. 
Okay. And we thought he was going to die at the end of the previous series. He kind of seemed to or possibly have died, didn't it he? It felt like he was never going to die. But, yeah, he did, in fact, die, and it was very, very upsetting. Is he annoying? Because I don't watch it. Is he a, is it a he? He? Quick? It's a he. <laughs> is he an annoying character? Did you want him to die? I loved him and I did not want him to die. All the way through, he's been in love with Carrie and he is, he's, like, he's a trained assassin. He's such a protector. He's, a, he's just amazing. Then at the end of last series, he basically suffered a terrible stroke and so he couldn't perform in the way that he did before as an assassin. And so this whole series, he's been playing, doing incredibly well. <laughs> he's with, been hampered, with, though. He ha- I mean, yeah. Let's face it. And I feel like he probably went, you know what, I just can't keep doing this anymore. Yeah. And yeah, and then he got shot. So that was your his... main your main takeaway of the of the season finale weekend of last week was yeah. was you devastated by I death was with, of Quinn. I was with all the other Twitter users who were absolutely yeah, devastated by yeah. the, the the death. Of I do it. have to say, I think Home Man has kept up its quality really, really well, and I love the way it touches upon topics that are literally torn from the headlines. Like, yeah. you know, I mean, stuff relating to Donald Trump and stuff relating to you know mm. the presidential race. All that stuff is incredible. But we also Terrorism, of course. we also finally see Dardal. Yes. What a fantastic I know, name. an incredible Da-da. actor. We finally see him incarcerated for his many, many crimes. Mm. So I was very happy with that. But this has been a great series of Homeland. This series yeah. has really had a, a, an amazing build. And my God, yeah. I mean, apart from Quinn's death, lots of people got what they deserved. Did you uh, cry? Oh my, of course I cried. Quinn, okay, Quinn died. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it was emotional, and we have to touch on on, on girls because obviously this. I think there's been there's been quite a uh, difference of opinion among what I've seen online and critics and stuff because um, I think we all loved the penultimate episode where there was the big kind of resolution to some extent between Hannah and the, and the other girls, the other kind of main characters. And then this final episode, it was curious, wasn't it? Because it was like a breastfeeding special. First of all, mm. so much I've never seen so much breastfeeding in one program. Extraordinary, mm. and um, it kind of revolved around you know, it was a very kind of tight knit thing, all focusing on could she deal with her new baby and this, that, and the other. And it was quite different for a girl's episode, right? Well, you say different, I'm going to use two words utter disappointment. <gasps> oh, what? God. No, I'm not going to mince my words at all. I was furious. The last episode, I'm a huge girls' fan, the last episode. Brilliantly done. I cannot say enough good things about the last episode. This episode... No, you mean the penultimate episode. Yeah, the penultimate episode. The, <laughs> sorry, yeah, the episode before... The, the last episode, one before the, episode, the last one. The episode that should have been the last episode. Right. This last episode, only three of, of the characters in it, and also just so utterly boring. <gasps> you No! Utter, I disagree wholeheartedly. No, I disagree. Like, I just thought it was... A brilliant ending. I the one before the penultimate one was excellent. It was all nice tying together of all the loose ends, seeing what happens to the friendships. And then I think the last episode was brilliant because Lena Dunham always does like she likes to do the unexpected. She doesn't follow um, kind of convention, which would be that perhaps you know Adam and Hannah would have got back together, or maybe Ray and Shoshana, or like you know uh, Charlie and Marnie. And it's just like she was like, no, actually, what I'm going to do is I'm going to start the I'm going to finish it as it began with Marnie and Hannah back together and I just loved that it was just a continuation of her story it was almost like an epilogue mm. I just I thought it was oh, brilliant yeah. I'm so happy actually she did like that because yeah. it was just so un- unpredictable I agree with Kay I think it was like an epilogue and I think all, I think for me the star 
the standout star of that final episode. The mum. The mum. I love the mum. Because the mum got that brilliant speech where she was basically her finally explaining to Hannah, you know, all right, we know you're a self-absorbed millennial, narcissist, all of that. But I thought that was a brilliantly done speech, brilliantly written and acted speech. And I just thought it was really, I thought, I, I kind of thought I was really well done that, that ending, you know, just kind of, it was, it was subtle in a way, but it was showing you, yeah, she's moved on, she's grown up, she's got the baby and she's come to terms with her friend, with her best friend. I thought it was really good. I, it, it, Go on, we can say one more thing. Hey, I just, I read about like Judd Apatow, is it Apatow? Yes. Judd Apatow. Apatow um, saying that actually. So he's, the the ex- re- cro- he's the exec, exec producer, producer yeah. yeah. And writes quite a lot of it with. Lena. Exactly, and he said, actually, we should do our finale, so the one that, you know, the penultimate one, and then we should do the end that we really want to do so that everyone is satisfied and gets what they want. And I think that's what they've done. They've had two episodes, which satisfies everyone. You've got your nice, perfect ending in terms of the friendships in the penultimate one, and then... Yeah. Okay, do I look happy? You don't look happy. You definitely no. don't look happy. Thank God you're going on holiday. Um, you can recover. <laughs> uh, what about... We should touch briefly on Broadchurch, um, which climaxed, so to speak, on Bank Holiday Monday. And, um, I mean, I, I thought... Again, some people were disappointed with it. I think maybe some people felt that... Um, that the that they guessed what was going to happen that they would have been videoed you know because that was the shining light because in the end of course I mean spoiler alert if you haven't got around to seeing it yet but surely everyone has effectively two people there were two people responsible because one guy groomed the other guy um, into doing it really and there was this big he was a big psychopathic that's Leo serial, yeah like serial serial rapist basically and he had this kind of it was quite quite it was quite I guess some people's criticism of it was they didn't lay enough groundwork on his characters for him suddenly to be revealed as a psychopath do you what did he, you feel I, about that I totally agree I mean he was the holiday he turned out to be the holiday the summer holiday rapist yeah. it was like oh I, I I don't know somebody pointed out some, out something to me actually our deputy editor Caroline pointed out that she found it was quite all the men in it, it was quite a man-hating series. There were no great, no, like, no great male characters in it. All of them represented, Except like, for David a Tennant. stalker. Yeah, but uh, apart from, obviously apart from him, and it just seemed like everybody else was just bloody awful. And she Men are terrible, though, aren't they? But that's the thing, they're not. And so I think, I when she said that, I thought, oh, God, yeah, actually, they are all really terrible in it. And it made me look at it a different way. I thought... The idea that you could just be like grooming someone into becoming a rapist within a couple of days didn't seem, (laughs) I don't know. You didn't believe it? No. Okay. I was shocked I didn't see the twist happening and I liked it and I thought it was very chilling. And what I liked about it is that I think it, um, it kind of like contradicts the conventional stereotype we have of a rapist. I don't yeah, know if you say that. Yeah, no, no, no. Yeah, but like, no, he's not like no. a dodgy old man yeah, in a, yeah, in a, he's a raincoat. Young man. He's, he's a handsome new boy, man, yeah. young guy, yeah. attractive. I thought I think that was yeah. an important takeaway, as you say. But there was a bit of a, the James Norton in Happy Valley thing about that yeah. as well, of course. Yeah, similar. similar so idea. then it starts a discussion. Yeah. Of, yeah, I, I, uh, I thought it was John good. Dan looks really nervous. He does, yeah, it's just like <laughs> awkward. Yeah, I mean, yeah, we have to discuss these things. We have to use the words. I mean, that's what it was about. This the series. But let me just can we must say Julie Hesman Houge as as who you know. Went, had to go through the most gruelling stuff in this series was brilliant. All all the awards for her and Tennant. Let's not forget David Tennant and Olivia Colman were brilliant. And what I loved, I loved even more. I thought the the revelation of who did it was I thought was absolutely fine. I believed it. I thought it was believable. All of mm. that stuff. Um, but I just thought actually what was great about that final episode was the stuff between Olivia Colman and David Tennant, just reminding you of their chemistry in that, the end when they're sitting that there last on the bench. Scene. Yeah, it was great. It was very sweet. And thought they, you know, let's go for a drink. Yeah, I thought that was really nice that she and he didn't, didn't want to go for a drink. Yeah. I thought that was really well done. So uh, that was my main. My, I, I was very satisfied by. It. I thought in terms of character, the characters and all that. Look, 
There is nothing that Olivia Coleman does no. that is not in- amazing. It's, but just nothing. as well. Tenet's yeah, yeah, brilliant. but Olivia Coleman is just right, always stand out. And, and I was going to say, finally, but we've got two other season finales to discuss. So let me quickly say about Line of Duty. So I'm just going to say, so I've seen the final episode of Line of Duty, which goes, goes out on Sunday. And oh, God. I don't know if I can listen. Should well, I'm not going to spoil off? anything at all. No, okay, I just want to say, I'm just showing off that I've seen it, really. Why, I mean, why not? Bottom line. Um... But what I will say is, I think so. We can discuss this again next week when when everyone's seen it, the whole world's seen it. But I think this is the best last episode of Line of Duty so far. So we you know this is the fourth series. Wow! And I, I, I mean, I lo- absolutely love this. Show. This is one of my favourite shows of the lot of of this period of TV gold drama that we're in at the moment. And every single series has been probably better than the previous one. And but some people criticise the ending of series two. That they thought it was a bit complicated. If you don't know if you remember, there was a very big yeah. flashback at the end of the series to explain what the hell happened in a very complicated way, and some people thought it was a bit um, mystifying. And then the end se- of series three, series was three good. is incredibly dramatic. But even then, some people with there, I don't know if you remember, criticised the fact that suddenly Vicky McClure became this like you know gun wielding oh, yeah. <laughs> expert. Holding on to this lorry yeah, truck. <laughs> it was a big action. Pa- so all I say about the ending of this series, series four, is it's got everything. And I thought it was so clever in tying up all the things and giving you new stuff to think about for the already commissioned Series 5. It just, I, I thought it was so great. I so, cannot yeah. wait yeah. to watch this. You are Line of Duty's biggest fan. I am. I mean, I, I, I think Gemma Curio is an absolute genius. A genius, genius yeah. yeah. But let's discuss a little bit more detail, the Big Little Lies finale, which went to, if you listen to this Tuesday morning, last night on Sky Atlantic slash HBO slash Now TV. And now I've, I've said, when we discussed Big Little Lies a little bit before, that I thought in the middle of the series it was in danger of wilting a little bit, that, you know, it wasn't full of incident. But now term. I feel, now I feel, having seen the finale, that the whole thing was leading up to this incredible explanation of who died, why they died, who, who killed the person who died. Mm. We are going to spoil it in a sec, We by are. The, the word died a bit more. Yeah, um, Also, who ended up being the bully at school who was... Um, Picking on Amabella, the brilliantly oh. named Amabella, not Annabella, Amabella, <laughs> um, and just the resolution of all the main characters, including how they dealt with Laura Dern's character, who up until that point had been really annoying cat mm. person. Um, I just thought it was so brilliantly done, and the resolution of the spousal abuse storyline, mm. Nicole Kidman and her therapist, and all of that was so incredible. I thought every, I mean, like I was saying about Line of Duty, I thought the ending was so great. That it felt like all, any any criticism I had of any of the slight episodes where not that much happened, I feel I was totally wrong. It was so great, wasn't it? I, it was. It was a triumph of the complications of female friendships and mm. how, in that last scene, just through, uh, there's no there's no music, but there's just a lot of cutting to looks in the last scene of all the women because all the women are involved in kind of the the reveal, and it all happens in in a fight at the party that they end up... So at the beginning of Big Little Lies, you see them all dressed up as Audrey Hepburn, various iterations of Audrey Hepburn. And the series has been building up to this party that they all attend, where you find out who the person is who has been who has been hurting Amabella. Actually, you find that out before, and then you yeah. find out who was, again, the rapist of Shailene Woodley. Yeah. And I think we're going to say it, because I think... We were Should spo- we just say we it? To, yeah, I think, yeah. Okay. Because I think we have to discuss what we think about it. All right, yeah. so we find out then that Perry is the rapist of Shailene Woodley, and we find Alexander out... Alexander Yeah, and yeah. we find out that Perry, Celeste's husband, is the one who dies. Yeah. And 
the way that he dies is so incredible because I didn't see it coming. And you will have seen this now. So, so basically, Bonnie runs along whilst they're in the middle of this huge melee, the other girls fighting, and runs towards him and pushes him down the stairs and he falls to his death and they're just all standing there and it resolves all the conflict between mm. Bonnie's character and uh, Bonnie um Zoe Kravitz's character and Reese Witherspoon's character uh, it's just and and of course what's what also what she, she, she she's the one you're least expecting so exactly. so obviously Alexander Alexander Skarsgård is going to is attacking his wife and he he's desperate for her Nicole Kidman you know for her to not reveal that he's been abusing her all this time and also wants to stay with him i mean he's just, Semi-psychopath anyway, isn't he? Semi? Semi, well, okay, total psychopath. I mean, he's a total yes. psychopath. I think Sorry. we can all agree. Yeah. But you're expecting one of those, one or others, prob- you know, to have killed him while he's attacking her and attacking the others. But then in comes Zoe Kravitz from nowhere, like, kind of superwoman, on, yeah. pushing him off. That's what's brilliant, because Bonnie's been see- just, yeah. like, so- quietly yeah. watching, observing this unfold. The one that, you know, has been so kind of... Not revile, but I mean, no one's no, really... No peacemaker, though, hasn't yeah. she? She's taken that role of, let's all just try and work it out, and she's very earthy. And yeah, she's been a little bit, in a way, you could you could say a little bit slightly one-dimensional, hippie-ish, hippie-dippy-ish character, doesn't she? Yeah. But then, she apparently, in the I was reading, in the book, I haven't read the book, but apparently in the book, she's fleshed out much more, and she has much more... Um, kind of, there's also reasons why she does end up being the one who kills him, which that's kind of explored further, and even the aftermath of explored further in the book. I really want to read the book now. Yeah, the book, I'm sure the book is amazing. I haven't read the book either, but... I feel like we should apologise to Ziggy because do you remember a couple of weeks ago we were really laying into Ziggy thinking he had done it and it wasn't I never at laid all. Into Ziggy. Well, I didn't want to say it was I actually always, Steph. I always thought Ziggy was innocent. It was Ziggy, actually Max. Ziggy, I like the other characters in the fictional Big Little Lies <laughs> believed that you were the abuser of Amabella, and Poor I would Ziggy, like to. Right? I, I also believed he was like a mon- little monster. So you're apologising to the young fictional sorry. boy in the show. It's who, well, who, Probably doesn't listen to the podcast yeah. either. You don't know that. That's true. You don't know that. Well, I... these fictional characters sort of do. It's Carry what on. Kay yeah, wanted and I now... <laughs> I've demanded an apology. <laughs> She's given it to me. <laughs> I think, though, Nicole Kidman, this has just brought her oh, back incredible. in such... Yeah. Not that she went away because Lion was incredible. Yeah. Um, and Alexander Skarsgård, actually. But this, for me, is Nicole Kidman's... It's interesting that Kidman and Reese Witherspoon exec produced it. Yeah. And I think we're a big driving force because I think it really has for both. I mean, Reese Witherspoon is brilliant as well because she was playing. What I think was brilliant about it is they're all characters you could kind of see with stereotypes in a way. You know, Reese was this perfect. She herself says, I think, in the last episode, I wanted to be this perfect mum. But in the end, they're all deepened characters, aren't they? Kind of, they're all three dimensional, flawed people but you kind of really really like them I think all those yeah. women and even Laura Dern as I said who... Laura Dern she had just... the biggest transformation yeah. actually in my opinion yeah. because I was like all along I thought she's so boring and I was like oh god you know she's she's awful and then actually you know the redemption between her and Jane and you know she like Shailene Woodley yeah, yeah asked for her forgiveness yeah. and said look I'm sorry and then I was like oh okay yeah. You know, you're 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 a good character. Yeah, yeah she's been hard nosed throughout this whole thing, and she's really vocal about that. I'm a CEO. What these these women hate me, and then actually, what she's revealed to be is actually a really nice woman. Yeah, she <laughs> becomes more human. Yeah, yeah. Big Little Lies. Um, I think one of the best things of the year so far. Absolutely, without doubt, could be end up being the best thing of the year so yeah. far in the end, like because an American import thing. You know. Yeah, no kid. Yeah, do you know what I'm saying? I do. Well, I think we've done a lot on that. That's almost that's like a mixture of what we're watching and news, I think, that section. So the t- traditional news section, minimal. The only thing I was going to mention is the return of The X-Files. So it's been announced, it was announced on Friday that 
Fox in America, and it'll, it'll, it'll end up being on TV here. Channel 5 got the rights to it here, weirdly. The, the series that they showed last year, the revival of it, that wasn't great. I, does that so mean the, that no one watched it? I know. If it was on Channel no, 5. No, like, did, oh, no, well, it did well for Channel 5, yeah. It did really well for Channel And it was a huge hit for Fox in America. That's why they're bringing it back. And it was, I'm a huge X-Files fan. I'm looking mm. at both of you. I doubt either of you. Oh? No, I am a huge X-Files oh. fan of the original right. X-Files. I think X-Files should have just been left where it was. I used to watch it when I was younger and I didn't watch it when it came back. And my question is, do we need more X-Files? Um, I think my, my answer is, when I watched the, the, the revival, the last revival, those six episodes, the first episode I kind of really enjoyed, which brought them back in the traditional X-Files way, then it did, it did get really bogged down in some terrible stuff in the, in the middle two, three, four episodes. And then the final one was quite, quite good when alien, alien invasion is happening. Um, so I kind of, I felt... I know what you mean. We didn't need it, but I love those characters so much. I love Mulder and Scully so much, and I love David Duchovny and Gillian Anderson and their chemistry so much that I, I'm always happy to see more. But and I think the good, I think lessons will have been learned. This is this is what I was going to say. Mm. I think the creator, Chris Carter, and I think his team, they got a lot of criticism for some of the episodes in that in that short run. And I think the lessons will have been learned. I think he's going to come up with a good ten ten episode run. <laughs> Let's move on to the big meat. The meat. In the, the sandwich of entertainment. What I like to call the previews and reviews. And oh my God, this week, I mean, last week it was all TV. Let's face it. And many weeks it will be. But this week, I think we're showing the full breadth of our pop culture chops. We're showing off. <laughs> we're showing off. Because we're going to review a, a play that we went to see in the theatre. We're going to review a huge film. But first, we're going to review two TV programmes. Opening with what is, I think, for Amazon Prime, um, starting on Bank Holiday Monday, the 1st of May. But it's not going to all drop in one go like some of their shows do. It'll be a weekly treat every Monday. And this is an adaptation of the Neil Gaiman novel. Now, Neil Gaiman is one of the great fantasy science fiction creators of our time, isn't he? He wrote, you know, Coraline. I think he wrote the original story of that. He does a lot of great graphic novels. Um, huge big star talent. Massive following among geeks like me. Um, <laughs> And this has been adapted for television by um, this genius guy called Brian Fuller, who worked on Hannibal mm. with Gillian Anderson. Gillian Anderson's going to pop up in this series as well. And what he did with that character of Hannibal Lecter was turn it into one of my favourite shows of recent years, the, the bloodiest, goriest, most sick and twisted TV drama ever to be on network television in America. It was on NBC. It was on HBO. But again... Or Showtime or Stars or any of these trendy channels or Amazon or, or Netflix. It was on... NBC. Well, it was essentially a cookery show, though. You know, just with human organs. You're right. Mads Mikkelsen, again, yeah. proving that good-looking people murder. Yes. All again. Life lesson. Yeah. So... So he's, he's the creative force behind this version of American Gods. And for me, it's got... We'll talk about it in depth um, and get to the review in a minute. But before we do... Kay Ribeiro has interviewed Hi. its star, Ricky Whittle. Yes, he of Hollyoaks fame. Kay, what went down? Right, so I had a nice chat with him about um, him being in this epic, slick sci-fi US drama. And I've got to have a little disclaimer here because I didn't realise this audio was getting used anywhere. Um, it was just, you know, I was just doing it for the magazine. Oh, right, for the sheer hell of it. I was doing it for the sheer hell yeah. of it, yeah, and it wasn't... Bummed into Ricky. My, my, my sounds, my noises and my voice weren't going to be heard. That's what I'm trying to get at. Oh, okay. And I had noises. <laughs> and I had a stinking cold. Um, oh. I was, like, kind of a bit dazed on Lemsip. So I apologise in advance for me shuffling papers and just sounding a bit um, groggy. But this is Ricky Whittle. He's talking about the first episode in which he plays Shadow Moon. And 
specifically he's talking about this epic bar brawl that happens between him and um, a character called Mad Sweeney, who is also known as the Mad Leprechaun. Throwing a six foot five uh, alcoholic leprechaun around was, yeah. was tough. You know, Pablo Schreiber is a big guy. And um, yeah, we, we shot it for a, for a whole day where they had to give us the, the next day off or at least the next morning off because our bodies were in agony. And I guess that's what stunt doubles are for. But when you've got two athletic, stubborn actors who want to do their own stunts and a coordinator who's co- you know confident in you and would only let us do it because he was confident in our abilities. Yeah, yeah he, he, we, we, we did it. And the next day I was in agony. You know, everything kind of hurt and... I felt like an old man. I instantly became like an old man, just like moving, just out, out. Any bruises? Oh, huge. Really? Loads of bruises, without doubt. I'm being hit in the head with bottles and <laughs> thrown across tables, you know. He's six foot five, he's a big dude. And what can you tell us about, like, for people who haven't read the books, about your character and, and his story? The best, uh, the shortest explanation I've heard is Brian Fuller describe it as Avengers with Gods. I play Shadow Moon, who's an ex-con released two days early from prison after his wife, uh, Emily Browning, is, is tragically killed in a car accident. He has nothing to live for. She was his world. She was his everything. He's taken under the wing by uh, a mysterious con man in, in the form of Mr. Wednesday, played by Ian McShane. He has nothing else to do, so he think, figures, yeah, heck, I'll be your bodyguard, I'll be your chauffeur, and he goes for the ride. That's when we realise Mr. Wednesday is more than he seems. He's also building an army of old m- biblical, mythical gods to wage a war against some new deities in the form of technology, media, fame, stuff that we kind of all worship nowadays. It's this intense, epic war that's brewing between the gods, and Shadow finds himself stuck in the middle of it. And uh, he's, he's, he's a cynic, so it's it's going to be a huge step for him to kind of start believing in these fantastical things that are happening. And what's it like working with Ian McShane? Because obviously he's a legend, Lovejoy, we love him here. He's Lovejoy to me, he's <laughs> Deadwood to the Americans. But he, he comes with... A huge pedigree. He's he's you know, this dude's going to be knighted one day. He's incredible and he's hilarious. He's so much fun. The first time we met, we met in Michael Green's office, and um, we're both from the same area. We both support Man United, and we hit it off straight away. We started talking about Man United. We started talking about the season, the, the transfers. You know, what do we think of Mourinho? You know, we we had a great time. We really hit it off, and we kind of built up this fantastic chemistry. We forgot our producers were in the, even in the room, and that kind of translates to screen which is perfect because you know one of the themes of the show is, is it's a buddy buddy story it's two mm. guys kind of traveling around America and what about I see that Gillian Anderson's in it as well I, I think I even used to have a crush on on, on Gillian Anderson uh, as, as, Who as hasn't? in X-Files because she's an incredible woman and in real life again she exceeds expectations she's an incredible actress she does an incredible job as, as, as media and she's wonderful it's very exciting to have these kind of castmates that I've looked up to and idolized my whole life Kristen Chenoweth Crispin Glover you know there's so so many names you, I can just keep throwing out and this is just you know season one it's quite possibly in my opinion the, the best ensemble cast I've ever seen on TV everyone's obviously seen Hannibal knows like it's full of sex violence mm-hmm. nudity now will will this match will this match up to that did sign something that meant people <laughs> that you had may to be see nude. my buttocks <laughs> Uh, good, good. We'd there, like to hear that. There could possibly be some nudity. Yep. Um, when I say possibly, there will. Uh, but yeah, it, it, it definitely does come in a, in a similar vein to Hannibal. You know, Brian Fuller kind of developed a, a visual kind of tone in that show, uh, which does kind of translate onto uh, American Gods. There's um, definitely a dark undertone, but as with Hannibal, you kind of have this comedy element, these kind of dark, you know, black humor kind of uh, elements where you find yourself laughing at a situation, like your, your dead wife coming back 
to, to haunt you. You know, it, it's not funny, but it, it, it's it a little is bit. a yeah. little bit. You know, when, when, when she walks in, you know, what would you do? Um, and so, you know, it's, it's, it's definitely got uh, shades of, 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 of Hannibal in there. And what's the most extreme thing you've had to do, other than get your bum out? There's several things, but getting my bum out was one of the most extreme <laughs> things I had to do on the show. Um, <laughs> as beautiful and wonderful as Emily Browning is, and, and as close as we've got, maybe I got too close. Uh, it was, it was, it was the most, it's the most extreme, you know, uh, scenes uh, I've ha- I've had to shoot uh, are on this show, both within the love stories, physically within some of the, the fights, as in with Matt Sweeney, played by Pablo Schreiber. You know, he's six foot six, he, he packs a punch. And then just the writing itself. It's 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 so incredible and, and it comes with fifteen years worth of, of, of fans, you know, right, chomping at the bit to, to, to have an adaption to T V or film. And so there's a lot of pressure to kind of portray a, a Shadow Moon that they've all dreamt about for fifteen years. Now it's it's gonna be different from the book. Uh, it's going to follow the book, but an adaption needs to be, you know, jazzed up a little bit. Shadow Moon in the book is very stoic, he's very internalized monologue, he's very quiet. Um, no one wants to watch a guy think every week. So, you know, he's more outspoken, he asks questions, he's more um, open. You're clearly having a lot of fun. I mean, how does this experience compare to your last hit show? It's a completely different level of show. This is by far the hugest thing I've <coughs> ever done on all aspects. And it comes with a caliber of actor that just turns heads. Mm. You know, it's the best ensemble cast I've ever seen. You know, The 100 was a lot of unknowns who've developed into fantastic actors. And they've it's them who've really kind of made that show pop it's, it's, it's incredible you know what, what, the, what those guys have done and I love them to bits I had great memories on that show but you know this this show alone like I say is being spun out to 200 countries on it's a lot of countries I didn't even know there's that many countries in the world right I didn't want to say it <laughs> listen I don't mind being that stupid person I'm I don't mind that I'm glad you said it but I'll I didn't know there was 200 stupid. countries I was like who knew 200 countries get the atlas what? out yeah it's great so <laughs> No, it's 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 this is it's it's an incredible opportunity, you yeah. know, and it's it's a life changer. It, it really is. It's not a career change. It's a life changer. So that's a very exciting time to be, and it's a it's a great way to kind of say, you know, you know, I'm I'm there now. Yeah. You, you should you should pay attention. You're massively there. You should pay attention. So you're based mainly, obviously, stateside. Like, what do you miss about the UK? You must miss us, right? I miss you. Yeah. Yeah, I miss you specifically. Um, my mum, my friends, my family—they come and visit me. You know, my mum was literally out. I flew my mum out literally two weeks ago because um, she always. I always fly her out for her birthday and things. So I don't really miss that so much. Um, what about the like the little things? I Mom, miss I... sarcasm. Oh yeah. I miss sarcasm and humour. I feel I'm funnier in England. <laughs> <laughs> it worked. You're right. <laughs> See, right. Um, in America, that some of it gets lost in translation. Yeah. And I, f- I feel like I, I, I see tumbleweed when I tell jokes because they, they, they don't get it they don't understand some things and and I was, I was saying to some of the guys earlier that if you don't smile when you tell a joke oh, apparently no. it's not a joke apparently a, a joke must come with a smile and I was like wait what but no they, they've got great sense of humor it's just I think the Brits are just cruder and then the little bits of food you know I come I come like back what? and I like Yorkshire puddings and oh classic you know they, they, they've just brought Maltesers to America only just I lost my head <laughs> I, <clears throat> I probably plow through like two or three bags like every day can you do a full two bags and I, I mean, see I thought you'd be like oh I, I mean can't family, have chocolate I mean family size bags <laughs> There's, no. there's no mess around here. Seriously. Really? I'm a chocoholic. I do as I say, not as I do. But I hate vegetables. I hate fruit. I hate seafood and eggs. I live off meat and candy 
or what? sweets. I'm terrible. I'm a horrible person. Please don't judge me. And that was Ricky Whittle talking to Kay Ribeiro in, as you said, an unplanned use of your audio of interview with the star of American Gods. I think we can all agree we don't judge, specifically Steph, whose diet is very similar to Ricky Whittle. We don't judge him for just eating chocolate. Yeah. I was going to, you know, I was going to say, I desperately try and stay away from anything that Ricky Whittle is involved in as a rule for life. But now that I know... <laughs> That's that so he, harsh. I'm, look, well, I'm so keeping it real. He was in Hollyoaks, and then he went to America to make his fortune. Strictly in that Come show. Dancing as well, oh, was lest Strictly. we forget. But he was also in this show called The 100, on, which is yeah. a show on E4, and you didn't watch any of that. Okay, I'm going to give Just you... Just because of Whittle. I'm going to give you a reason why, okay? So, yeah, he was in Hollyoaks. Didn't like him in Hollyoaks, right? Right. Then he went to America, okay? Now... Little personal story. My cousin lives in America, and he played for um, you know that uh, Hollywood All Stars. Oh yeah, when they oh, like Brits, Brits in like yeah. Robbie Williams. Okay. Mates. Yeah. Oh, Robbie Williams. And my cousin Oliver played for them, and so did Ricky Whittle. And when I went over to visit my cousin, I saw them. I was just going to visit my cousin, and I saw them, and I just was like, "This is this is just." Bizarre. It was basically like the, all the exes of Hollyoaks and people of the East Enders and you know like Beppe and people like that yeah. out there. And then I just was like, is that, "Wait a minute, is this the reason why you hate him?" Yeah, so you, you hate him, him in LA? Yeah, exactly. You hate him because he took part in the expat football team with. Beppe. That's why you hate him. If you'd said to me, oh, you took a little bit of a dislike to him because, you know, I he mean, speaks now with an American accent, which I have well, to say, no, when I walked into the room and, you know, as I say, I was hopped up on, like, meds for a cold and he started talking to me with an American accent, there was a few seconds where I was like, what is going on? Right, but that's my point. My point is that he spoke with an, a fake American accent. He'd been out there for five minutes and I just did not You didn't like the way he kicked that ball. I just did, I did not. <laughs> I just did not enjoy it out there with him I just was not I just was like something no. went down let's okay. just let's well, skip over let's that let's draw a veil over your weird personal <laughs> animus against Ricky Whittle for playing football with a and bunch of British people and he kept taking his top off it's hot out there it's hot in LA also he's got you know he's got a decent yeah, body got, oh. yeah buff anyway let's Let's review the actual programme, oh, for God's run. sake. Anyway, so... So, because it is, just to set it up, it is quite a weird premise, isn't it? The, the, so, in the, the opening of, the opening episode begins with this weird kind of prologue, almost, where you've got these gods, old gods, battling each other mm. in the midst of time, traditional, like, mythological people. And there's loads, there's people slicing each other in half. It's one of the bloodiest, as I say, that's the reason I mentioned Brian Fuller's Hannibal, because he's certainly picked up for where he left off with Hannibal, with an incredibly gory, blood-spurting opening. It's a gore fest. It's a gore fest. So there's that. And then it jumps to the present day, where we meet um, Ricky Whittle's character, who's in prison, and is about to get out and see his... Is it his, his wife? wife? His yeah, wife, his yeah, wife. I was going to say fiancé. And then he kind of gets embroiled with these new gods, this new god, who this this kind of enigmatic figure he meets on the plane Lovejoy. played by Ian McShane, Lovejoy, mm. um, who kind of wants, demands that he joins him and starts working for him as like his bodyguard or whatever. And in, in, he's initially reluctant. And the kind of the whole first episode is, episode is kind of about how Ian McShane persuades Ricky Whittle mm. to start working for him. And then in the end, there's, there's, we have to mention so there's oh. this scene. So that's the kind of what's going on all the way through. And then we meet these other weird new gods and old gods who do have extraordinary powers, including this woman who <laughs> seduces a mid- thank you seduces a middle aged man like businessman figure, takes him to bed. And what can only be the only way we can describe it is it a spoiler? It's a semi-spoiler, but all right. Let's just say she's it's got the, of... she got the most powerful vagina on TV. Right. Think about if you had to give birth in reverse. Yeah. So let's just say it's one of the most grotesque 
sex scenes I think it's ever been seen you, you on television. Say, you say grotesque, I say best party trick ever. It's a good party trick, people. So there's that. Then there's another incredibly gory scene that happens kind of towards the end. No, no, I won't spoil that. No spoilers. But you, and you meet another god, a modern god. But it's weird, isn't it? So all I'm trying to say is the premise is bizarre and weird. I haven't read yeah. the book. It's a very... The whole tone of it is massively out there and intense and freaky and sex and weird gore. What did you think... I was going to go to Kay first because you you were like no sorry I was just going to, I was going to redeem my <laughs> myself because I just want to say and I'll Kay tell us what you think straight away afterwards I was just going to say very quickly that I thought it was so good that I forgot Ricky Whittle was in it <laughs> oh my god right so even though he's in like I thought he was great scene. in this, actually. Yeah, but that's what, what I mean. you're saying. You forgot it was the man for- from the football pitch in LA with his top off. I forgot it was Ricky Whittle because he was really good. Yeah, he's great in it. Okay. He is really. I was massively impressed with him. After, I mean, I think he's always been fine. I, I've never watched him in Holly Oaks, but Everyone he's good is in the hundred. To be fine. No, he's more than fine. He was fine in the one hundred, which is the, the the American show he was in before this. But he's really great in this. He's 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 fantastic. He's charismatic, unri- likable, unricky Whittle like. Yeah. That's what but I'd what say. do you think of the whole show, Kate? This whole bizarre, weird thing. Okay, so you know, it's not usually my thing, sci-fi. Um, but but I, you also don't like violence and gore either. I was worried about yes, you. Yes. Yeah. I mean, listen, that that first battle scene. I tell you what made that battle scene okay for me is that it was very theatrical. Yeah. So limbs were flying in slow motion and the blood was flowing. You know, very theatrically, which so is very fine. Brian Fuller again, very Hannibal esque. Yeah, and I mean, one man actually becomes a, a human por- porcupine, doesn't he, with yeah. arrows? It's yeah. like, so I, I didn't find that so bad. Um, for me, it was like it was really good, it was really slick. I loved um, Ian McShane, aka yeah. Lovejoy, and I thought Ricky Whittle was good, putting aside your hatred for him. I thought he was really good, and I think his American accent, even though he's obviously you know still speaks with it in real life when he's not acting, I thought it was really mm. good. Um, the last five minutes, though, it just like scrambled my brain. I just yeah. didn't quite understand what was going on. With the by new that, God guy. Yeah, and by yeah. that point, Quiff Boy, I call him. Yeah. Um, by that point, I was just so like, mm, oh God, no, I can't, I can't process this. But on a, on the whole, I would, I would give it four stars. You know what it reminded me of in terms of its out thereness and its visual kind of flair is, as well as Hannibal, to keep going on about how clearly that creative kind of input of Brian Fuller is obviously there is Legion you know did you watch the yeah. on Fox which has been on Fox yeah. and it finished a few weeks ago visually stunning really weird confusing stuff and the storytelling loads of fantasy sequences and things you don't know what's real and what's not real it reminded me of that in terms of its ambition and boldness and, and I, I love that I think like I said look I'm putting aside my Ricky my feelings about Ricky Whittle um, he's absolutely incredible I think he is about to join the ranks of Andrew Lincoln and Waking Dead. I honestly, I think he's that good in this. Wow. He's, I really do. I think he is joining the ranks of a whole host of British stars that have gone over it. Dominic West, Idris Elba, you know, Stephen Moyer for um, True Blood. There's so many Brits that are really have really gone out there and just been these incredible actors, like taking these series forward, these beloved series. And I and I feel like the feeling I got when I watched this was this is his moment. Yeah, this is his time to prove me wrong. Yeah. I really do. He's incredible uh, in this. Uh, this is going to be huge. And I have to say, in when we were discussing it, and he was like 200 countries, he meant 200 territories, right? Um, so I think so. Kay's giving it four stars. How many stars are you going to give um, American Gods? I think this is the new 
big, big hit. I think it's five stars. Yeah. I thoroughly enjoyed I've it. I've given it five stars in Heat Magazine out today. So on, if you listen to this on Tuesday, if you listen to it any other day, it's already out. And I'm giving still it still buy it. Still buy it. You can see Ricky Wheeler's interview in in hard print, can't you? In that yeah. issue. And you won't hear my droning vo- my voice. You won't hear a lovely. But if you uh, listen to this, tones. you're hearing it now. <laughs> Let's <laughs> hopefully better than that. Anyway, I think generally, generally thumbs up for American Girls. Amazon Prime, first of May, next back holiday Monday. Now then. Kay's Obsession. Gonna be on top, oh, top, top. I don't know what that was, but Kay's Obsession. All right, okay, fine. Kay's Obsession is Britain's Next Top Model. And um, in the Virgin slot, where two of us haven't seen ever this thing that's been going on for years. It's actually, it was kind of revived, wasn't it? Last year by on, on the Lifetime channel. It used to be on Sky Living, I believe. It's basically a search for a new model, female. They're all women, female model. Yeah. Um, give, who ends up getting given presumably a professional contract? Oh. Well, they list all the no, no, not just a professional contract. Because if you if you listen to the first ten minutes of it, they give you all the things that you're going to get. <laughs> That's you're going to get a oh, thing yeah, with do, sleek. Yeah. You're going to get a professional. You're going to get hair and makeup for yeah. a year. Yeah. Yeah. It's like the list goes on. It's like when is this show going to start? <laughs> <laughs> and the, and like all of these shows, it's like a mix of um, talent sh- search, like you know, like all of them. Brent, Brent's got talent, etc. X Factor for mods with a judging panel, etc. And people who set the task. But it's also got quite a lot of reality. Big <laughs> brother type stuff where we see them living together in some not particularly glamorous place by the way and kind of bitching about each other and being horrible to each other and generally being a bit like yeah. nasty it's like it's, that, it's got something for everyone it's got something for everyone is that a fair summary Kay, of what the hell the show happened yeah happens? i think it's completely fair and also it has fantastic judges namely our good friend nikki johnson who oh. we adore and we've been like working with for many years who's very funny on this photographer yeah full Photo- sorry, yeah, photographer. stars Full disclosure, he is a he's a great friend of Heat, and we love him yeah. very much. It's also yeah. got um, obviously Abby Clancy, yeah. Hilary Alexander, and also the very delectable Paul Sculfer, who is presumably an ex model himself. Is he? But we have, he's a current well, model. He? Thank you very well, much, Boyd. He doesn't feature in this because he was off doing actual work. So that oh yeah, I wonder. Why, yeah, he wasn't yeah. there. Yeah, lazy. I mean, he was there. He was shown at the beginning. You know. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I. I mean, the, obviously, so you love this show, Kay. Why do you like it? I like this show because um, I've I've watched it from the beginning, like when it was in America's Next Top Model, which it still is, and then it came over here. And then I think just because I was once given it to preview uh, in that way that you do, and then you do it every week and for every series. And I've even been out there on the on the trips when oh, they go yeah, abroad. Yeah, you've been on the trips. Yeah, um, oh, yeah. full immersive. disclosure. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, listen, I've been fully immersed in it. What was the best experience Next Top Model trip that you went on? Um, oh, you went to Malaysia, didn't you? I went you? to Malaysia oh. and I also went to Miami. No wonder yeah. she loves it. That's why oh, she loves yeah. it. Yeah. Um, but I, I met Jimmy Choo. It was brilliant. Oh, she met Jimmy yeah. Choo. Jimmy yeah, who Choo. still texts? So yeah, did well. he give you any shoes? Or Unfortunately, bags? not. Bloody hell! Yeah. What about you? Is this the kind of thing you like generally? Do you watch this kind of thing generally? Which was it a I... trial? Was it what? Was your, how was it? <laughs> I, yeah. What I found was brilliant is the comic relief that Nicky Johnson brings yeah, to he's it. He's the star. He's the, he's the star absolute of the star of this show, and not just his friend. He. It, is in dire need of it because these girls are just crying and then some of them someone's saying something to somebody else and nobody's taking it the wrong steps. way some of it's so um, relatable particularly like when Alana is crying because it's so hard being sexy all the time and I don't know about you but I wake up every morning thinking that listeners Kay, Kay literally for that just bit there just now Kay put her hand on, on Steph's, Steph's hand, hand in like gr- fellow kind of sufferer of being grappled, too sexy grappled with it a bit yeah it's holding two sexy hands holding I each other I just feel like in life the major problem isn't 
should I lean over this giant disco ball in a photo shoot yeah, to get? But this if you're a model, note? it is, isn't it? Yeah, but you don't then cry about it. Go, I didn't there's know, a lot of crying. I just didn't know there's also there's a lot of crying and a lot of overexcitement. Like when there was a brilliant moment when they when they're taken to this like with this place with all these neon signs where they're going to do a show. Yeah, and they're that's all, the like, sleep Overcome with emotion yeah. and excitement, a few neon signs in a yeah. in a room. To be fair to these girls, you know, they probably are do have a director and a producer going, "Come on, girls, you got to look excited at oh, these new lights." But I don't I think they're saying, simpletons yeah. who are like, "Oh my." God, bright light. I mean, they also, in this episode, do an underwater shoot. It's hilarious, yeah. Which is... I actually love that comedy bit, though. Yeah, it was funny. It because was not only do you get Nicky Johnson yeah. um, making whale noises, but yeah. you also just... And this is the kind of stuff he'd say to you in real life on a shoot. He'd just be like, babes, you know, if you're drowning, obs, I'll jump in and grab you and pull you out by your wig. It's like, thanks, yeah. Nicky. I, it was I funny. It. I thought it was entertaining. I mean, I thought the, the that the underwater thing was very, very funny, and you're kind of laughing at them, really. Yeah, and a bit with them. With you're laughing with the judges. I think you're laughing at them. And I, I thought it was. I thought it was entertaining. I think any challenge where there's an element of je- jeopardy. Um, where someone could die yeah. it's always entertaining Yeah, would have been a big twist if anyone had died though wouldn't it Listen, one of them couldn't swim so anything could have would happened have taken, been as like someone taken a really dark turn this <laughs> then Steph would have loved it I just, yeah. I just was like oh, I don't know how I don't know how long I could carry on with these girls crying and just this whole thing of you know when they were like they were sitting on the sofa and she was like you know that thing I said the other day oh yeah well, I'm sorry about that. She's like, yeah, I didn't mean it that way. And it was just a bit like, oh. Mm. I'm, I'm enjoying God. your reenactment of, this, of the episode. She was like, you know what? I've realised I'm not the dick. You're the dick. Oh, yeah. That, just... the whole, who's the dick <laughs> bit was, was funny. So how many stars? I, I get a feeling you're not going to give it five. Oh, I, I get a feeling you may never watch it again, oh, Steph. I'm sorry. I, I, do you know, I love Nicky Johnson. I think he's absolutely the star of it. It was in dire need of the comic relief. And uh, I, but I'm going to give it, I'm going to give it, Three stars. I'm sorry. Okay. I'm giving it four stars. Uh, I'm going to give it four stars. I think I thought it was good. I thought it was well done for what it was. Yeah, you know. Will you be watching it again, boy? I might. You know, it's, I mean, it is on. You might dip in and out. It goes out on a Thursday, doesn't it, listeners? On Lifetime at nine o'clock, and there's a lot happening on a Thursday at nine o'clock on TV. But also, we should actually mention that our lovely um, editor in chief, Lucy Cave, she does a oh, yeah. sister show, doesn't yes. she? Where's afterwards. that go out? That's on um, our Facebook page, okay. Heat's Facebook page. It's like a Facebook Live situation. It is a live situation, okay. and um, Jamie Lang's often oh. on it, if you like him, I adore him. Um, and they talk about the show, and the judges are on it too. It Excellent. is fantastic, it is good. We've definitely covered all the Britain's Next Top Model bases, anyway, that's what I think. <laughs> I'm glad I watched it. We all went to the theatre. <gasps> I love how yes. you say that. This is a, a revival of a play called The Philanthropist. Written by Christopher Hampton, who I think is probably most famous. He wrote the adaptation of Les Liaisons Dangereuses. <laughs> easy for you to say. Otherwise known as Dangerous Liaisons, which is easier to say. And he did wrote the script for that, which was a great film, I thought, a really good film. And this was his first play. He wrote this when he was 23 years old in 1970. And it's set in 1970. So everyone's wearing very 70s, rather lovely, I thought. Certainly the women, lovely outfits and dresses and well, I think the men flowing. Were suitably dressed. It's got, it stars a gaggle of young TV comedy greats, I think. Matt Berry from the IT Crowd and Toast of London. Simon Bird, off of The Inbetweeners and Friday Night Dinner. Lily Cole, off of being Lily Cole. <laughs> Charlotte Ritchie, what? Who is in, um, uh, what was it called? The thing Fresh with Meat. Fresh Meat, thank you. Uh, and Hold on, and what is the major thing that she is in? Call oh, the she's midwife. in Call the Midwife. You're oh. right, absolutely. And Tom Rosenthal, who's in Friday Night Dinner with Simon Bird. And it's kind of about it's an, it's I would describe it as so you've got all these funny comedy young comedy talent from TV, and you might, and I was just kind of expecting from that 
casting and from the poster for it to be a kind of laugh out loud farce. I thought, I was, but it's not, is it? It's quite no. a kind of intellectual and thought provoking story about this character, the main character played by um, Simon Bird, who's a professor, university professor of philology, which is like the study of words. <laughs> individual a, words. Individual words. He's a massive geek, basically, a kind of, inter, um, a kind of emotionally stunted. And somehow, by being so emotionally stunted, like he can't, re- he doesn't interact with people like normal people do. He doesn't try and be likable, or he doesn't try and elicit kind of either. Lo- Everyone says he hasn't got a sense of humour. He somehow, but just by being himself, this weird, eccentric, not very particularly likable person, he annoys his fiance. He annoys this author played by Matt Berry. He annoys someone right at the beginning of the play so much that spoiler alert. Actually, let's not spoil that because it's a brilliant scene, isn't it? And it's kind of all about his character, isn't it? That's what I felt. That it was kind of like a character study of him and how he kind of, what effect he has on the people around him. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah, he's just very, and they mentioned this all the way through, that he's just a very literal person. Yes. But he doesn't understand why anybody else would have a problem with that. He's telling the truth about things. He, d- he doesn't see why that would be in any way unconventional to other people. He has, he has so much insight into himself about the way that he is, but he doesn't understand why that's not okay, yeah. which is basically the thing the whole way through. He's definitely like an unusual character. He's uncompromising, isn't he? He's like un- he, he, he he's, in, he's obsessed with doing um, anagrams. He comes up, he can do an anagram of anything, come up with an anagram of anything, like within minutes, which is his kind of great skill. And I think the only person who understands him is his, his friendly, the other professor played by Tom Rosen. I thought their relationship was really sweet and, and good. Like he, yeah. he gets him, doesn't he? And kind of doesn't, and, and kind of just deals with him as a fe- as a fellow chap and kind of deals with his flaws and quite likes it. Whereas for anyone who has to like either be in a relationship with him, like Charlotte Rich's mm. character, who's kind of reaching the end of her tether with him, and was re- I thought she was great by the way, absolutely mm. brilliant. Um, they're just getting a bit exhausted by him, aren't they? Yeah. If you if you love the dynamic between those two in Friday Night Dinners, which yeah. is an incredible series, um, you you get a bit of a feel for that, I think. But just if they were, but if they were friends in the past, yeah, right, right, you know, right, right. you yeah. still get that. You still get that. They interact very well as chemistry. actors. Yeah, they have got great chemistry. I think Tom Rosenthal's absolutely brilliant. I thought he was the best. Yeah, yeah I, I did. Me too. But also, I do think uh, Matt Berry oh. just dazzles when he's on stage. Yeah. That's the, you know, he just take his charisma just fills the whole stage. I, I thought he actually dialed it down a bit. I was, I thought Matt Berry because Matt Berry is huge. Mm. You know, uh, in Toast of London, IT crowd. That's his thing. Is his weird pronunciations, his weird emphasis that he has on words. I thought he was dialing it down. If anything, oh really? Oh uh, yeah. I mean, he could have been bigger and louder. But I thought no. I thought he was great. But I thought he definitely was like trying to make this ludicrous character real as well and not be sitcommy about it. You know, trying to make because the tone of the whole show, to go back to what I said, is surprisingly not broad. It's it, it's it's quite intellectual. It's quite thought provoking. It's, it's, it's quite cerebral. subtle. There are moments of, of big laugh out loud. Do you, do you disagree? Um, no, I no, I, I completely agree with what you said. I thought it would be um, laugh a minute. Yeah. And I mean, there were some funny moments, but it wasn't like, you know, proper like, no. you know, you weren't cackling. It was just chuckles. But yeah. what, I, what I'd say is, like, it was a great cast. And, like, as you say, Steph, the chemistry between um, Tom and um, Birdie, as I like to call him, Simon, uh, is, is great. <laughs> as he doesn't but, like to be known. Yeah. And, but the, the story for me wasn't strong enough to hold my oh, okay. attention fully. So, yeah. uh, you know, my attention did wander to, to, for example, Paul McKenna, who was sitting in front of us guffawing. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he he was, was actually guffawing McKenna out loud. Loved it. Oh, yeah. he. Thoroughly enjoyed he it. He thoroughly enjoyed yeah. it. So that, I mean, that in itself is endorsement. And yeah. also, I wonder if he'd hypnotised himself to laugh constantly. I mean, he laughed throughout the he whole. Did. If he wasn't thing. laughing, he was blowing yeah. his nose. Yeah. Um, and then also the um, the 
Cold. So, listen, I really hope Paul McKenna's not listening. Carry on. And then, um, no, that's fine. You're allowed to bring it's in fast, those. Yeah. I mean, yeah. we've all had colds. Yeah. Um, and? and the couple that was canoodling. That oh, was yeah, there was a canoodling couple. Oh, we're uh, now reviewing the audience. So, yeah. I mean, so well, the we've fresh kind meat. of reviewed the play. Um, I'm, I'm giving it four stars and saying it's really good. I really enjoyed the it. The play is really good. But not Laughella. And there are longueurs, I think. There are bits, I thought, bits stretched. That's, bits. that's yeah. exactly my point. That yeah, that when it's stretched, play, yeah. then my mind wandered to the audience. But also, I was slightly distracted. And I know, boy, you did not smell this at all. But in it, there is a point when five We're now reviewing people... the smell. <laughs> no, but it's really pertinent because the whole, you're immersed in it. Yeah. And at that point, there's five people smoking on stage. And I turned to Kay and I was like, oh, my God. I'm like, it felt like I was in... Like, I mean, it did feel like I was in the living room of some a seven, you know, a house in the 70s where everybody would smoke in. But it, I found that slightly distracting. That's... Did that take away from your enjoyment? Uh, I have to say it, it did slightly. because wow, it's, it didn't it, oh, it's inc- Well, you couldn't smell it. I said to you... I, bit, so I have had a bit of a cold, yeah. I said, can you smell it? Well, I can't smell it. It's illegal. You're not allowed to sniff and or then, blow your nose. And then we had a whole debate about whether they were allowed to have real cigarettes. But it, it is very powerful, that smell. Oh, okay. So, so it, the smoke, smoking room. It, it was distracting. It was distracting. So Smoking, Paul McKenna and the snogging couple. Do you know he, what, right? He was literally, there was so much tongue action. And at one point, not, they were nu- they were nuzzling each other's faces like two rabbits. And I was just like, <laughs> at what point are they going to say, hey, there's like seven people on stage acting for our pleasure? My favourite bit was when they rubbed foreheads together. <laughs> um, and I just yeah. nudged Kay. And I was like, can you believe It was disconcerting was and that? distracting. And, and, you know, I'm probably displays of affection. I'm kind of against them anyway. Probably displays of affection in the theatre, for no, God's crass, sake. Crass, crass, crass. Ian McKellen Have was there dignity. last night. <laughs> Ian McKellen was there last night. Yeah. I don't think he wants no. to see famous directors no. nuzzling foreheads. I agree. Anyway, um, what the actual play, to get back to the actual play, I'm giving it four stars. I've written up my review in the magazine and I've given it four stars. How many stars would you give it, Steph Seelan? I am going to give it three stars because I was distracted mm. by... I'm with Kay. I, it didn't hold my attention as much as I would have liked. Sure. Really love uh, Simon Bird. I thought he did a tremendous job. Tom Rosenthal stand out for me. For me. Um, but, yeah, I was slightly distracted... You know, I was slightly distracted by a few other things. Star off for the smoke. Yeah, and the, and the, the, the smoke and the is, a, is a big thing. Okay. Kay? I'm giving it a warm three. Fantastic cast. Three and a half. Three, three and a, yeah, I would give it a three and a half. Yeah. If we can give half stars. Fantastic yeah. cast, not a enthralling storyline. Okay, fair enough. That was the philanthropist, which it's hard to say, but it was. It is the philanthropist. It's on at the Trafalgar Studios in London until the twenty second of July. So you know, I mean, obviously we're not we don't like to be London centric, but let's face it, most big theatre things happen in London. Yeah. So that's why we're doing it and doing and it some for the, travel. But, so, but people do come down, don't they, from from all over the country? And I, I would say it's worth it. I mean. I don't know if you two would agree, but I think it's just about worth seeing it for for, for seeing good performances and an interesting, thought provoking play. You're like Steph's like no, no, well, no stellar cast, no stellar stellar cast. It's, it's very impressive <laughs> their performances, but it, you know it does smell of smoke in there. <laughs> Brilliant warning. <laughs> Smoke warning. People will thank me because if you go in there... They you, will. Yeah, they will. Yeah. Luckily, there was no smoke when we went to see Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. So uh, we all went to the Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2 event last night at the Hammersmith Apollo. I have to say, it was like... It was kind of supposed to be like the European premiere, I think. But it was one of the weirdest um, film premiere slash event thing. Let's review the event first, okay, shall we? And yeah. also, we should be safe for this segment. We're joined joyously by John Dan. John Dan, Dan John. Super producer. Okay, actual name John Harris, who is our producer, engineer, guide, guru, teacher. Hello, John. Hello, I am all of those things. Yeah, you sat next to me. We're in the front row yeah. of this 
thing, this that screening. Was... That was interesting, wasn't it? Interesting. Wait, can we first say that the Hammersmith Apollo is underneath a bypass? And in terms of premieres... Yeah. What, it the wasn't thing that glamorous. glamour. Yeah. Yeah, it's not like Leicester Square, yeah, where they have all the glitz and the glam. Do you we think didn't... that? Yeah. <laughs> I you... saw some people in, you know, dresses and suits and I thought, I'm glad I didn't. Yeah, yeah. oh God, yeah. Can you imagine? Yeah. So, like, there was a long build-up. Um, I mean, there always is at premieres, really, to be fair. So it's not that big a surprise. But it was, felt kind of weird because, I, well, I didn't see any of the, like, red carpet stuff, like the stars arriving and crowds forming like you do at Leicester Square. So we arrived and everyone went in, thousands of people went in. And there was just, like, half 40 minutes of, like, a DJ playing really loud music, like <laughs> oh dance God. music and other music. And, like, laser shows and blinding lights which for me enjoying the front row I mean I was practically blinded and you're yeah. lucky I, I was, texted I was you and I said I hope you yeah. haven't got any kind of like you know sensitivity towards lights because that was bl- surely blinding we didn't see the f- see or hear the first 20 minutes of the film <laughs> after <laughs> that show yeah. just seeing stars yeah so and then finally it went on forever that yeah, it went on, it did go on for about I mean you were there for longer than us but we got there about Seven, I think it was all like forty minutes. It felt it was. I it felt like. Right. Do you know what? When it first started, I was because we, um, me and Charles, the film editor, were up in the heavens, and it started. And I was like, "Oh, this is all right." You know, having a little boogie, you think it's quite cool. Within five minutes, I was like, "Chaz, when's this? When's the film going to start?" And he yeah. goes, "I don't know." And every time there, used, there was a dip in the music, and you think, "Oh, it's going to start now." And like, no. yeah, as you say, forty minutes. And eventually, later. eventually, did start. Eventually, so the director uh, came on. Um, uh, Edith Bowman came on, introduced him. She's obviously been hosting the thing. Uh, Edith's lovely, lovely, lovely Edith. She introduced the director, James Gunn. That's his name, isn't it? Yes, James Gunn, who directed Volume One. And then he introduced the cast, but the cast didn't say anything. That was the other disappointment. So you got all the, you know, Zoe Saldana, Chris Pratt. Chris Pratt is obviously the the, the big, huge star. He looked very nice. Um, so next to Kurt Russell, I was excited. I was more excited about Kurt Russell. I love Kurt Russell. Oh, but he just stood there and didn't say anything. You think, hold on, you kept us waiting this long. Let Chris Pratt say something. They gave him a mic and everything. So it, was it felt so like something was going to yeah. be said. Awkward. And then it, just... it was weird. Because at the end, they kind of all stood there. Chris had the mic and then Edith was kind of like ushering them off, which she'd obviously been told to do because they were running so late. And no one was moving because Chris refused to move because he was holding his mic looking as if he wanted to say something. And then it was like form this little like pile yeah. up and then they just yeah. had to get off the stage anyway first world problems we're complaining about the <laughs> premiere of being able to see the Guardians of the Galaxy volume 2 premiere woe is us on to the actual film now of course Kay you haven't seen volume 1 no so it must have been even more bewildered I mean I was quite bewildered and I have seen volume 1 I don't know about John Dan but it was quite confusing obviously so volume 1 just to say uh, Guardians of the Galaxy it's kind of like explains how these characters these disparate weird characters came to come together to form this like gang the Guardians of the Galaxy doesn't it, John? And it kind of so you've got Chris Pratt as Peter Quill slash Star Lord. The first film opens with him seeing his mother die in front of him, and you don't know who his father is, and it's all very mysterious. And he's got this mixtape that's part of the whole thing. The music is key that he kind of part of the music she loved, they loved together growing up. So he's like half human, he's growing up. There's lots of references from him to growing up on Earth and being, you know, a normal American guy, but he's also this kind of reluctant but really funny. Hero figure who's going around the universe with these weird p- p- creatures, um, and this one kind of opens with a big flashback to Kurt Russell with brilliant CGI. I have to say, of kind of him, younger Kurt oh, Russell, he looked incredible. Looked incredible. So that's always kind of weird having this romantic liaison with 
his dad, with his mum, sorry, with Chris Pratt's character's mum, years and years ago, and some weird stuff happens where in a forest and there's like some weird, he creates some weird thing, you don't really know what it is. Egg, weird egg. Thing. Weird egg thing. And then the film starts with an incredible title sequence, I thought, with ELO's Mr. Blue Sky and the little, and Baby Groot um, dancing while in the background there's a massive battle going on with this huge creature. I thought that was a brilliant start. And then the film kind of goes on for a while and doesn't really, I thought, doesn't really kind of, I don't really know what the story that it was f- focusing was. And then finally, it's kind of about how Kurt Russell is Chris Pratt's character's dad, who's this kind of weird godlike figure called Ego who's created planets and stuff and what his agenda is is kind of the whole the kind of main story of the film is that a fair summary John who has seen the first film yeah so uh, all full disclosure I have the baby group bobblehead oh my oh, god John's a super fan we've got the right person fan. I should have got you to summarise this whole no, I, thing rather I think than... you did it as well as possible and I think we <laughs> we stayed we, no 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 we stayed within the first kind of couple acts so yeah I don't want to spoil no it no territory. Um, yeah, the the ELO thing. I mean, you can't. I, I defy anyone not to smile like a child watching yeah, a, a baby tree dance. Yeah, that was fantastic. So, were you, Kay, as as a as a, a in, in our normal virgin slot, we have people who haven't seen. So you haven't seen volume. Were you were you bewildered by it, or did you just ease your way and you thought oh, I'm going to let it flow and enjoy? I it. was pleasantly surprised because I, I didn't know. I didn't want to read anything about it, and I I just found it really funny. I didn't realise it was meant to be as funny yeah. as it is. It's it's hilarious, and especially that little baby Groot, the tree, and um, the raccoon. What's his name? Rocket. Rocket. Yeah, I mean, there. I mean, the animated characters are almost funnier than the humans, but it was so Voiced so by funny. Bradley Cooper. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, they were really funny. But what happened was, like, three quarters of the way through, I popped to the loo, and which you don't really know, need to know, but, like, I came back. Well, you told us now. And I was just so befuddled about what was going on. How long? How, how, what way into the film? Three quarters of the way through? through? Three quarters of the way through. Oh, wow. Yeah, no, so because it just suddenly, it was the bit between um, Chris Pratt and the dad, uh, right. all, and there was right. all the stuff going oh, yeah. on. And actually, I came back, and Charles Gant, the, the film editor, was like, yeah, this is really confusing. Yeah, it's yeah. really confusing now. But yeah, up in, up until the at the beginning, I was like, "What is the plot?" And then yeah, it got a bit. I found it a bit confusing. So I, okay, so I read a review, interesting review. I think it was it might have been the Empire review actually, or um, somewhere someone's review. It might be Variety this morning because I was thinking, oh, you know, what do other people think? Which said that it was it was really that they were really enjoying it, like the first chunk of it, or maybe even the first hour when there's lots of things going on. There's like a lot of cross cutting between planets and spaceships and lo- all the different characters. And then when the whole Daddy's story kicked in with Kurt Russell. That then they lost interest a bit, and that it became a bit normal. I'm kind of the opposite way around. I felt, I mean, I loved that opening credit sequence, the ELO thing. I thought that was absolutely brilliant and hilarious. And, I lo- and of course, that song is one of my favourite songs. Can't, can't can't go wrong with ELO. Um, but I was finding it for the first after that when they were kind of reintroducing the characters and then bringing new characters in. I was like, what is? Just focus on something. I was like getting a bit annoyed with it and slightly even bored, might I say. Ooh. Which I never thought I would happen now. Not a lot, but just every an hour in, I was like, come on, just give us what the focus of the story is. And then it did start, and I was like happy with that up until the ending. I have issues with the ending. But, John, what did you, what, what's your overall, did you feel like structurally that the kind of, that it took a long time to, to establish what the story was? Did that bother you, or you not, do you not give it flying shit? No, 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 no. I can, I can see, I can definitely see the okay. issues with the structure, and I do think it. It dragged, and for me, but this I think this is quite subjective. But sometimes in these kind of big blockbuster films, the big space battles become a CGI mess, and right. I can't have I can't follow anything. So that's why the ELO I won't spoil what happens, but it's so brilliant because they yeah. kind of play against that kind of big CGI mess. They focus on something, and they do it later. Oh, they do it later again in the film with a bomb. Yes, where you don't you don't actually watch all the action. You see another element of what's happening at the same time, and I think that's a really interesting, funny way to kind of get over the. CGI mess. 
that being so I see your structural issues but yeah. for me personally and maybe this is com- like subjective I just love spending time with those characters oh yeah, so definitely. yeah that's true yeah I'm being slightly negative I totally enjoyed it let me get let me say that Paul McCall's I absolutely enjoyed almost all of it I just have I, I guess I'm kind of comparing it to the first one and I'm thinking it was two two hours like 25 minutes we should say it's I long think. right it's long um, and for me, like, too long. I thought there definitely could have been stuff that could have been cut. Would have been nice bonus scenes on the DVD or Blu-ray. And I te- and there were things like jokes that kept recurring. So I am being... So I, these are the flaw. I'm kind of focusing picky. on the flaws a bit. I'm pe- being picky, but I do think... I do think it's interesting that... For example, there's this whole... A lot of the... Not specific jokes, but a lot of the style of jokes were repeated. So I'll tell you one thing he does all the way through, it struck me, is that he thinks it's really funny, James Gunn, the writer-director, to have people laughing... In this way, there's kind of like so. For example, there's a joke about um, Taserface. So there's this character called Taserface who launches a rebellion, kind of against other. We don't have to go into detail. And he announces, "Oh, I'm Taserface." And then the big joke is that um, that's a really funny, stupid name because he's taking himself very seriously. And Rocket, the Bradley Cooper character, takes the piss out of him. And that goes on this joke. And the only the only joke is, oh, Taste Face is a really stupid name, yeah, and I'm going to make, gonna laugh, and everyone else is going to laugh. And I was complete. I was like, this isn't funny. Like the false laughter of his character and everyone else laughing at him, Queen called Taste Face, isn't funny either. And then it went on and on, and then they come back to it. And then if you think about it, um, a lot of the other characters keep doing this. Like Dave Bautista's character, Drax, who is kind of like the who says stuff without any processing anything doesn't really know that stuff he's saying is too blunt and honest that's his kind of thing isn't it that he just says whatever comes into his head half of the stuff he does is just laughing in that same way at what other people do and so there's loads of stuff in it where it's just people laughing too much laughter for Boyd Hilton well in a way it's almost like (laughs) let us laugh you know at the jokes do your jokes and let us decide if they're funny it got annoying to me after am I am I obsessing about it I mean yeah I'm going to say you are okay yeah I don't I mean it didn't irritate me so much did it do you you get irritated, John It didn't bother me that much, as much. Um, for me, the best jokes, I, I won't spoil anything again. Uh, it's the same in the first film, is is the jokes about a kid from the 80s yes. mis-explaining yes. Uh, pop culture references to aliens. Just There's a, yeah. there's a Mary Poppins one that oh, is absolutely oh, that was, oh. hilarious. Yeah. Oh, I loved, yeah, the references. Is it spoiled? I mean, there are references to Cheers... To, is it, you're looking at me like I am spoiling it. Well, no, I just Reference, said Mary Poppins. So. Oh, yeah, yeah. With references to David Hasselhoff um, that, are, that are really funny. Yeah, yeah, I loved all that. I absolutely loved all and that. And the, think that the cameos well. were good as well. We won't spoil it. Sylvester, well, I think we're allowed to say Sylvester Stallone's in it. Oh, he's a, he's a credited yeah, cast member. Yeah, he's a credited cast member. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're allowed to say um, And it was very exciting. Yeah, that was exciting to see him. And presumably he's going to come back. For volume three, I'm imagining. I'm you guessing. would hope. You would hope. I mean, on the plus side, yeah, I'll tell you one thing, big, big bonus for me is the way it looked. I thought, so this is like, I mean, the first one is, is full, like, cuts between different universes and planets and it's all really exciting. This one is like a, like a, an explosion in a neon candy factory. It's like the most colourful, vibrant... Oh, I love that. It's a bit Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, all the colours. Yeah, it's just incredible. It's in every single scene, like, fizzes and pop visually. And I, there's a really, I don't know if you've seen, John, I bet you have. Have you seen the thing online about how all Marvel films look the same, apart from Guardians of the Galaxy? I've No, I've, oh. I've seen one about how they all sound the same. Uh, there's a really good YouTube thing about how all the Marvel superhero films, like particularly like Iron Man, all of them, like Avengers, all those films, have a certain visual flatness to them. Like they were kind of bright 
and but they're, but they're not particularly interesting visually. They're kind of great stuff happens, spectacular stuff happens in front of your eyes, but they're not shot. And the cinematography, they're all kind of, and apparently there's a the whole thing that Marvel, the studio, kind of insists they all have a certain look. And but this Guardians of the Galaxy got away with having a different look mm. because the, the director insisted, that, well, let's do something different. And part of what you're saying is you didn't expect it to be that funny. Part of this whole thing is we're going to make these, and and this one particularly looks absolutely unlike anything else. Even Volume One, it's even more kind of vivid and incredible. And I thought that was incredible how fantastic it looked. Every, so even when I was even when I was slightly getting a bit bored after an hour and annoyed that it wasn't focusing on the story, <laughs> you're still dazzled by every single shot. I mean, it must be, there's so much CGI going on. It's an incredible feat almost that they've kind of created this thing where there's so much going on in every single shot. Yeah, it was amazing. How many stars are you giving it? I'm you want to stop talking about it now? I don't. I'm, I'm interested. No, I'm just interested because um, you're kind of torn. It seems struggle between it, that laughter, which is really gripping your shit, and yeah. um, the visual brilliance. I have been focusing on the flaws. I would give it four. I think, like, def- you know, so even with all the flaws, and even though I think it's probably like 20 minutes too long, and even though there's jokes that I feel get repetitive, and there's some bits that aren't funny, and um, and, and the ending without giving anything away for me, like that was such a CGI overload that for like the last act of the film mm. um it felt like i actually oh my- closed my eyes for a few seconds just to adjust yeah it, like. <laughs> it was like exhausting absolutely exhausting with some really funny bits going on but i was like oh you know this is this is it's almost like i felt just because you can do anything now with cgi you can literally do anything you want in the world it doesn't mean you should like you should probably like draw back a little bit you know yeah, like the excess back. of it is I don't know that's the point I think like I'm sure James Gunn the director said well I've got all the you know I've got like I'm going to just do whatever I can can do and it's going to be really fun and it is fun like 90% of the time but I still give it four stars so even all these flaws I'm saying because uh, for me you have to stand back and go well actually if you compare it to other films of this style you know other Marvel films or other just other blockbusters like I'd much rather have this consistently funny and wry kind of comic take on this kind of film than a kind of slightly po face, you know, like a bloody Batman versus Superman, just off the top of my head. Those quite those DC films that take themselves much more seriously and are a bit exhausting in a different way. So I'll definitely give it four stars. What's your overall feeling, John? I've been witching on for hours. You, you, I mean, you've got the bloody baby Groot. You've got the Groot toys. I'm, this is such a revelation. <laughs> um, I would agree, four stars. It's not. It doesn't quite reach the heights of the first one. Okay. I don't know whether that was because it was like a surprise. I don't think anyone was expecting yeah. the first one to be as funny and different as it was. And maybe there was a level of expectation. But I think four stars is fair. Yeah. So you don't th- you think you prefer the first one's better? Yeah. Yeah. I think there might be moments in the second that are kind of... The- that I prefer that sort of certain keep, keep like moments like incredibly inventive moments that I thought oh this isn't even better than anything in the first one but overall probably I agree that the first one's better but I still get four stars okay what's your oh can we just say mention I was going to mention the soundtrack list some of the songs the other th- great thing about it is the, the mixtape thing so according to the director he does these he picks the songs and they are in the script so it's not just like you know random songs being played over action it's all absolutely tightly woven together that he's got a scene that is going to play out and he knows that the music is going to play out with it and and there are some brilliant so apart from ELO Mr. Busco mentioned Fleetwood Mac the Chain is used throughout and it's absolutely brilliant um, George Harrison's My Sweet Lord bit I thought was phenomenal and um, all the way through there's and there's Cat Stevens right at the end Father and Son that's majestic I just wanted to mention that did you enjoy the music Kate? I love the music I thought yeah it was brilliant I'm going to give it th- I was going to give it three and a half uh-huh. actually if we're allowed to give half stars. Of course you can. As a novice. You can do what the hell you want. Yeah, three and a half, but very strong. Yeah, okay. Mm. So, that was Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. I think we've we've reviewed a huge cornucopia 
of cultural artefacts in this podcast, Kay. You're looking at me like I'm mad. But I'm have. not. I'm agreeing fully. Um, let's finally... It's, 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 the, it's your favourite part of the podcast, isn't it? It's question time. Can we have the theme music? Yeah. Question time. This week's question uh, from someone, don't know who it was. <laughs> Just bearing on the in Twitter mind, sphere. Oh, on the Twitter sphere. Bearing in mind we've, we've touched upon a, a vast gaggle of finales. We mentioned Girls, Broadchurch, Homeland, Big Little Lies, Line of Duty, is what is the greatest TV finale of all time, Steph Seelan? Sex in the City, oh. the greatest of all time. This was the kind of ending that I was hoping for and I got, okay? This was the kind of ending that said, you don't need to make more film or anything oh, of Sex in the City. they hadn't made those films. That's, what, that's really what I'm alluding to. We don't need to make any films. This is a perfect ending and it doesn't need to... It can't be improved upon. So you will remember, or you may not, and I will tell you again what happened. Carrie finally got together with Mr Big, which is what we all wanted, and he brought her back to New York and she was back with all of her friends. And it's just dreamy. Good answer. (laughs) Yeah. Good answer. You made me almost feel like I agree with you, even though I don't. Kay Romero, <laughs> what's your favourite TV? Oh, this was finale? a hard one for me. So, okay, um, it was between Friends and The West Wing, but I've gone with Friends um, because I just thought, actually, a bit like you're saying, Steph, it was the exact ending that all the fans wanted. You know, Chandler and Monica had their twins, and Rachel and Ross, after years of getting together, breaking up, and you know, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, you know, they got together again and um, they said goodbye to the flat, the, the apartment, and then they just had their final cup of coffee. Nice, nice. There's so many candidates um, that I wanted to mention. I know so, what you're going to say. What? What do you think I'm going to say? I think you're going to say Sopranos. No, I'm not going to say oh Sopranos. Oh my God, no. I'm really surprised. Yeah. The Sopranos definitely can. Sopranos famously ended on a weird, ambiguous downbeat. Fade to black. Fade to black. But it was brilliant. I, I love The Sopranos. Going but way back, I love the ending, the final episode of MASH. The final episode oh of MASH. God. Oh, yeah. I'm taking it old school. Take, yeah. it, take yourselves back. Taking it way back. I urge if you can if watch that somehow on DVD, it's if amazing. If you don't know, MASH. Very emotional. MASH was a TV show. <laughs> what? Yeah. It spun off from the brilliant film directed by Robert Altman with Alan Alder. Brilliant. I'm going back to Cheers. Has a fantastic finale. Oh, yes. 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 Well, that was on my short list yeah. too. Um, all these are really, Frasier, last one, it was really great. Where you don't know what is, is he going to leave Seattle for good? You know what's going to happen with him? He's talking it through with a woman on the plane. But no, my favourite series finale of all time is the potato product. Is the Office? Oh, oh! Yes. Oh, I thought you were actually going for Mash. I thought you were going for Mash too. No, 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 no. The Office. The Office. Of course, the UK Office. Oh, oh. yeah, perfect. Yeah. The you know, I mean, obviously, some might say, well, actually, it's carried on because he did the, the David Brent film, which carried on. But no, the, the TV series ended with the Christmas two-part Christmas special with that incredible scene with Back for Good going on, Take That Back for Good, the music. Um, Tim and Dawn, absolutely brilliant, came together. It was like the romantic comedy, the stealth romantic comedy that happened all the way through The Office when you thought it was about David Brent being, you know, this doofus. And then his really sweet thing that happens with him and this woman that he meets as well and the brilliant moment brilliant moment he gets. I thought it's just, it's one of the most perfect episodes of television. Boy, that is a great show. That is, I really thought you were going to go for Seinfeld or The Sopranos. No, you've you've like, gone. I feel like you've gone unconventional. I have, yeah, yeah. The Office, mm. final episode of Office, greatest, greatest series finale. Available um, on so, DVD. Yeah, actually, of actually. On DVD, where can yeah. you get that thing? Remember, we've mi- we've missed that franchise, which we said we were going. Oh to yeah, where can you get that thing? Well, you so, can get it on DVD. I think it's on iTunes. It's everywhere. I think it's on. I think okay. it's even on Netflix actually. But in fact, if you close your eyes now, you could probably see it. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah I'm can, watching it right now. You can reenact it with yourself. I mean, all that remains to say is thank you so much, Steph Seelan and Carrie Berry, for all your views. Um, on... Did you say Riberio? No, I said Ribeiro. Okay, fine. And to Dan John for his views. Oh, John, John Dan. Dan. And his John engineering Dan. and John his Dan. editorial influence and his He's producing. He's actually got his hands in his head. I don't know if this is a good head. sign, guys. And um, we'll, we'll be, be back next week. Except you won't. You're, you're going to be away. I so won't. we're going to have a substitute for you, Yes, Steph. I'm on my holly bob, so you can rest your ears. I will not be saying nasty things about Ricky Whittle or any of the cast members of Hollyoaks uh, next week. Thank heavens for that. See you next week. Bye. 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 